You're listening to Marginalia, a podcast from New City Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Marginalia is a space where the pastors and staff of New City discuss the scribbles in the margins of our weekly sermons and life together as a community. I'm Abby Burrish, Director of Communications for New City, and today we're taking a look at John 4, 1 through 26, and I'm joined by Josh and Brian to talk about this. How's it going? Hey, good. You remembered our names this I week. did, I did. <laughs> and the scripture passage, so... That We're off to a two. great start. I know, right? We're meeting in the basement, and it is frigid down here. Reminds Quite me of cold. what I've been told David Letterman's show was oh. like, because he didn't like to sweat, and so he would keep the studio at like 50 degrees, which is kind of, it's a little warmer than that here, but not much. I've always thought of this as a podcast that is just like That's, David. Yeah. <laughs> a similar Similar uh, number of fans, I believe. Probably. That, our following is very similar. Mm-hmm. Well, as we get things started, uh, you know, it's the new year. Uh, a lot of times people are deciding to uh, pick up new things to read, new things to look at, perhaps interested in and in, uh, in, in engaging in some different things. I'm just curious, what are you guys, what are you guys reading um, here in January? So I am getting started the new year with this new book from Lori Ferguson Wilbert called Handle with Care. Um, And folks might be familiar with Lori Ferguson Wilbert. She's had a blog sayable for about 10, 15 years. A prolific writer who's written a lot about singleness, the local church, that type of thing. Um, and so for I the was, younger readers out there, could you explain what a blog is? A blog, yes. It's short for a web blog. Um, it's for our older readers, it's a newspaper online. <laughs> also, it's listeners, I guess, rather than readers, isn't it, that we're talking about? It's mm, true. That's the reader is the wrong word. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. No, practice. no. So anyway, she. I think a lot of people have wondered when she's going to write a book what it will be about. Um, and so this is how Jesus redeems the power of touch in life and ministry. Mm-hmm. And so the past two, three years, I've been thinking a lot about what does it mean that God created us with bodies and souls, hearts and minds, um, and what does that mean then for how we live? So this really dovetails well with that study and how Jesus touches, and that's an integral part of his ministry, and then what might that mean for our life together? How about you, Brian? Well, i got a couple, a few things going, but maybe the one that um, I'm enjoying most right now as I'm reading The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Um, it gets enjoying? pretty... Enjoying? Yeah. I don't know if that's the right well, word. I would not have chosen that word. It, uh, I'm in it. Uh, you know, Cincinnati, it's pretty gray and cold. So I'm it, it just full, full on You're enter into it. You're leaning Leaning into the darkness of the season. Um, but I realized a few years ago, I really like dystopian novels, The Brave New Worlds and the, um, you know, Stations Eleven and all those kind of books, Canticle for Leibowitz. And so this is kind of going with that theme. That's sort of my cold, dark evening reading. Really cheering you up. Yeah, yeah. put yourself to sleep with sadness. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I've got a few things that I've been reading in the new year, too. My, my daughter and I have just finished The Hobbit, and we're starting The Fellowship of the Ring. We're about 70, 70 pages in now. She's in fourth grade, so she's a little bit on the young side for it, but she seems to really be enjoying it. And she's she's one advocating to continue on. I, I thought maybe we should sidetrack to something else. But after The Hobbit, she really wanted to continue on with uh, Lord of the Rings. And so that's been fun. But um, other than that, I've been reading a lot of things about Malaysia. I'm leaving for uh, Kuala Lumpur on Saturday. And so I just read a book by Jim Baker, not the televangelist, (laughs) but the uh, um, 
economics teacher in Singapore who wrote a popular history of Singapore and uh, Malaysia. And that was very interesting to me. And then I've got a couple novels for the plane that I'm excited about, both written by Chinese Malaysian Malaysian folks of Chinese descent, uh, one called uh, The Night Tiger by Yang Si Cho, which is set in 1930s colonial, British colonial uh, Malaysia. It involves, all I know is it involves a chopped off finger, um, which, you know, separate, <laughs> separate appendages <laughs> is really the genre that I go for in, in fiction. And, and then the other one's uh, Tan Tuan Eng's uh, The Garden of Evening, Evening Mist, which is 1950, set in 1951, and it deals with a... Uh, survivor of a Japanese, the Japanese during the Second World War uh, invaded Malaysia and beat the British, even though they were, you know, majorly outnumbered, but then ruled pretty, pretty brutally for a few years with a lot of prison camps. And so it's set in one of the, or it's set with a survivor from one of those mm. Japanese prisons. I haven't done that a ton, but I've, I have found the few times that I've read things mm-hmm. that are set in or based around areas where I'm traveling really make the travel much mm-hmm. more meaningful. This summer we read the 44 Scotland street uh, series while we were in Edinburgh. So that was really fun to you know see the places. And then Traveling India a couple times. R.K. Narayan's novels, are, he's become one of my favorite authors just to read. Um, you read that so. uh, when we were in Japan uh, back in college. You read that Bill Bryson uh, Jap- Japan book, I believe. Because I remember yeah, I like Bill Bryson. Sit, in the, sit in the corner and laugh. And I know, always think like, <laughs> Bill Bryson a weirdo. Makes me laugh out loud when he he his books. He's funny. All right. Well, we're talking about um, the Gospel of John, and we've been dealing with these encounters that Jesus has with uh, different kinds of people and people in different situations uh, in the early half uh, of of the Gospel of John. And so this week we talked about Jesus' conversation with a woman, and it centers around the concept of thirst. First it becomes—well, the occasion for it is literal thirst. Jesus has made a a day-and-a-half journey, about 40 miles, walking, extremely arid climate. So he sits down, thirsty, parched. The disciples go off to do the shopping, and he's sitting by a well. And along comes this Samaritan woman who also literally needs water. She's physically thirsty. She comes to Jacob's well to uh, to get the water, encounters Jesus. Um, but Jesus turns the conversation from physical thirst into a deeper discussion about spiritual thirst, um, or you might say, uh, more of a cosmic, uh, total kind of thirst. And so that's uh, what we talked about on Sunday. But we're going to take a quick break here in Marginalia to allow a word from our sponsors, and then we'll come back and talk some more. So our first sponsor this week is Nextdoor, social media for people not on social media. Join Nextdoor if you're looking to purchase 90s home decor or exercise bikes, track coyote wildlife across different neighborhoods, and ask neighbors to help you identify unusual sounds you hear outside your home. Next door, in the words of the Atlantic, the hyperlocal social media platform that highlights small grievances and proves <laughs> that neighbors have more in common than they think. Our second sponsor is Norwood's local Taqueria San Marcos, right up on Carthage in North Norwood. On Yelp, this local establishment boasts 4.5 star ratings and 143 reviews. And don't let the diner vibe throw you off if you go. Um, I went there just a few weeks ago and enjoyed some of the best tacos I've had in Cincinnati. Um, Yeah, so Sarah D's review on Yelp echoes my thoughts. The best tacos I've had in Cincinnati, hands down. I get the 
sorry, the chicken tacos and it's absolute perfection. You almost said Choco Taco. Tacos, yeah. which I've is, had one of those. A frozen novelty, treat, I believe. Which is yeah. delicious, yes. Um, so Sarah goes on to say, if you go, you're going to go for A-plus tacos. Don't go expecting a fancy hipster atmosphere. This place isn't about that. It's about the food. She continues, please note, they seem not to have good ventilation, or perhaps none at all. So you will leave smelling like Mexican food. If this is not your fragrance of choice, and it's not laundry day or hair washing night, <laughs> I recommend placing a to-go order. So, anyway. Fancy, that's helpful, fancy helpful, uh, I, I like Yelp reviews that don't just deal with the food, but also you give you some other... Helpful to, I, on the other hand, I actually use a cologne scented <laughs> like Mexican food. And so I, to me, that's perfect. I actually had lunch there yesterday and I did not know that was one of our sponsors here this week. I should have thanked them uh, when I was there. But um, the Al Pastor mm-hmm. taco is um, is just marvelous. You need to get two or three. And and I also agree. It's not, It's in fact, they're... Uh, uh, hipsters are persona non grata there, I yes. believe. That's not <laughs> Spanish, is it? It's not. You're no. asking the wrong person. <laughs> All right. Here's what we're going to talk about today, or at least here's where we're going to get started. So I quoted um, Frederick Beekner on Sunday, and, and this is a maybe a larger theme than just what we were talking about with Jesus and the Samaritan woman, although it certainly applies to her, but really to the whole series. Beekner says, if we are to love our neighbors— Before doing anything else, we must see our neighbors with our imagination as well as with our eyes. That is to say, like artists, we must not just see their faces, but the life behind and within their faces. And I thought this was a fascinating concept, especially there's so many times in the Gospel of John, we talked about touch earlier, but also where it talks about Jesus seeing the people with with that he's he's encountering, and so I, I, my question, just really simply to y'all, is when we think about seeing our neighbors, what are some of the ways um, that we can uh, begin to uh, see beyond just maybe demographics or uh, or just very literally seeing? But how do, how do we learn to see our neighbors, and what does that look like? Something that comes to mind for me, and I don't know where I read this, but it's trying to practice seeing the world as your neighbor would see the world. And so I see the world as almost 30-year-old, middle-class white woman, and so it looks very different than some of my neighbors and how they see Norwood, how they see the United States, um, Ohio. So it's really that practice of what's their perspective on these things, and then that enables me to love them more fully and understand their dreams, their hurts, where they're at. It is really hard because we look out at the world through our own two eyes and from our own experiences. And um, for me, one way that I have grown and developed and seen other people's um, perspective a little bit more is through our foster son, um, who's a kid of color. And so when I walk places, I see the way people look at him in looks that I'd never seen thrown at me before. Um, some things like that. And that's it's looking into some broken systems and situations in life, but it has really opened up my eyes to, to look around a little bit more um, and try to see through someone else's eyes, stand in someone else's shoes a little bit. So um, just, you know, trying to, to do that. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, thinking about things um, in terms of a newness or like you're a missionary or um, a different perspective. Um, 
as if you're not just so comfortable where you are. I know I get into, you know, sort of little ruts. I know where I'm going. I know my, my familiarity. Um, and so it's hard to break out of that, but sort of approach things new, approach it fresh. Look, Hey, if I was new to the area, if I was a missionary, how would I be looking at this? What would my neighbor do? There is a bit of an art to asking good questions, isn't mm-hmm. there? I mean, I, I think I've learned a lot, oddly enough, from watching late night television programs. So I'm thinking like the Conan O'Brien or the uh, Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy, um, Fallon. or Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, are great at drawing, drawing out um, the people that they're, you know, that they're talking. I heard Larry King once says, you know, said, you know, I don't prepare at all. You know, I just come up there and I ask whatever I want. He, he's remarkably talented. You know, some people would call that just being unprepared, you know, just, you know, yeah. mailing it in. But he was, he was gifted in doing that. But, but beginning to think through what are some of the questions, um, I don't know if we're just thinking about a toolbox uh, for getting to know our neighbors in our neighborhood. What are some things you ask of people when you're trying to get to know the people around you? Well, I'm not very good at it. Um, I could certainly be better. Um, I think asking how they grew up sometimes helpful. Where, you know, where the who, what, when, where, why questions. Um, you know, expressing um, uh interest in particular things so um, instead of this you know well where do you work or you know maybe a more specific question of you know what was your first job or um, what was your worst job you know having some adjectives in there I like asking people where they've called home in the course of their lives mm-hmm. and what they did in each of those places they called home and then I think it's asking questions but then I think it's also um, they call it, I think, an improv. Tina Fey talks about this in her book, Bossy Pants. You always, like, add something about yourself. You never leave the person hanging where the question ends when they're done. So it's, you're like, oh, yeah, and and you share something about yourself so that you can build into that. Not in the sense that it's all about you or asking questions as a chance to tell your story, you know, means to an end to make the conversation self-focused, but the idea of going first. So I might offer something vulnerable about my story first, um, and then that makes space for them to reply. Not in the sense that you're dumping on them. It takes yeah. wisdom and practice. How, how do you balance um, inquisitiveness with... Um, Nosiness? Prying, yeah. <laughs> what, you know, what's, 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 the, what's the right side of the, the line there? Um, maybe just the emotional intelligence to tell when someone's getting annoyed. <laughs> I mean, certain things are, you know, you don't strike up a new conversation and start with, you know, what communicable diseases do you have? You know, things along those lines, right? You but don't. <laughs> there's Oops. a tip for you. Oops. Um, but, you know, when is it? Uh, because I do think people, maybe because we don't ask a lot, um, people don't, are, some some people at least are not given much occasion to tell, tell their story. And so I do think people like to... Mm-hmm. In general, but I can also see a kind of guardedness that might exist. Like, why do you mm-hmm. want this information? You know, are there are there, um, you know, is it is it a funnel? Like, you start broad, and then you get, as you get to people, get you you ask more specific. Or well, I think it's about knowing your heart. And am I asking this <coughs> for gossip purposes, or because I want to know something about this person, or am I doing this as an act of love? And if I'm doing it as an act of love. I kind of come to the point, there's wisdom, but like that's the Lord's work to like go ahead of me in this. And so as long as my heart, I've done that work to move toward my neighbor in love and ask questions, it doesn't really matter what they think. And they might be uncomfortable and they might not answer it, but a lot of that 
that will come back around in a conversation. You know, there might be questions that we leave uncomfortable, but maybe three or four months later, that was the question that paved way to talk about this really hard thing. Mm-hmm. And because my heart was right and I was moving in love toward them and not in an attitude of wanting to gossip or be in the know, the inner ring, it's, it works out. So, so the self-analysis really is about sincerity. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're sincere, then you kind of let the chips fall where they may um, and hope that you know, people yeah. take it for what it's offered as, which is a real desire to hear your story, know, know more about you and, and just understand you better. It's yeah. probably unwise to go super intense right off the bat. And I can imagine somebody saying, yeah, but Jesus with the woman at the well went right to her hardest pain and it's like yeah well he was god right and yes. he had that going for him um, and so there is certainly um some wisdom that comes you know don't just jump right in the most intensity to the deepest pain with somebody i mean i think that probably goes without saying but when you well, get to a point and you start prying and you sort of read the person I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a, that's a good point, right? Jesus, I mean, when we are looking at, to Jesus as a model, we see that he doesn't, it's not a, a one-size-fits-all interaction. He, mm-hmm. he he presses on different things with different people, but he, I'm thinking of Luke uh, 10, you know, at the beginning of, it's either at the end of Luke 9 or the beginning of Luke 10, but there's two guys that both say they want to follow Jesus. And to one guy, Jesus says, yeah, why don't you go home and think about it? And then to another guy, he says, I'm going to go home and think about it. And Jesus says, you better follow me right now. Uh, and, and, you know, two totally different reactions to, uh, to, to two different people. I, I'm, we're led by the text to believe that the, the you know, although it doesn't say it explicitly, but it's Jesus knows that one guy is saying, I'll follow you, but he really hasn't thought it through. It's a superficial thing. And so Jesus says, think about it. To another person, he's saying, you know, you do need to, uh, you, you need to make your decision now because if you leave, you're never coming back, you know. And, and there is, so, uh, and the same thing with counseling, right, to um, later on in John's Gospel, Mary and Martha, right, he gives a, a lecture to Martha mm-hmm. about on the resurrection and the life, and he gives her truth, and to Mary, he just gives tears, and there's discernment, you know, on, mm-hmm. on, on those kind of things as well. And I'd also say, like not to under, underestimate small talk because I think small talk can mm. get a bad rap in these things, but small talk is. Oh, I'm big into small talk. I love it's small my talk. favorite kind yes. of talk. Um, I'm with you. If you're being serious, I am. I, I'm I, being I thought you 100% were. Okay, okay. Serious. I love. I love small talk. But I think small talk done well is an act of love. And our small talk. If people think small talk is shallow, it's because they're not looking deep enough at it. Because it reveals our joys. It reveals what we find funny. It reveals what's hard for us. Um, it, it's it's hospitality, it's especially if you're verbal hospitality. If you're able, if you if you're with somebody you sense is uh, uncomfortable in a certain scenario, situation, a room of people, small mm-hmm. talking, you know, gives them something to do. Yeah. It gives them a mm-hmm. way in. Yeah. So, like a year of talking about the weather with someone is probably not productive. But like, there's nothing like seeing that is not just a means to an end, but a way of actually loving a person too. I think is something important. That might be your first book. Is the gift of small talk by Abby Murish. There we go. The on-air personality from Marginalia yes. is what the the thing will say. Okay, so we we Brian, you were alluding to um, the Samaritan woman a moment ago, and one of you said you know Jesus gets into a pretty intense conversation with her because he references uh, they go right from thirst to what are your real needs, and he presses into the broken past that she has. First he talks about living water and, and then he says, you know, why don't you go, 
grab your husband and we'll talk about this. And she's like, I don't, I don't have one. And he says, I know you don't have one and you've had five and the person you're living with now is not. And so he, 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 you know, he, he goes after her heart through her wound, right? Through the, through the, the, the thing that's obviously, um, causing pain, difficulty in, in, in her life. And um, one of the things we're thinking about on Sunday is this notion of, you know, if somebody were to press on a tough spot in your life, would you stay in the conversation? And I think it's really important to have spaces in our life where we do have people who are, who are able, willing, have permission to, to ask hard things uh, about us. And I guess what I'm, rather than being too autobiographical here, um, you can be certainly if you like, but I'm just thinking what kinds of spaces, if somebody's thinking to themselves, I don't have anybody like that, where do you find, what, what does it look like to engage in spaces like that where there are people who have the opportunity to ask you hard things? Well, right now in um, one of the theology labs that we're doing is the common rule. And one of his, he has four daily practices and four weekly practices um, that are sort of riffing off the means of grace. But one of them deals with this, and one of the challenges is one hour in conversation with a friend every week. And the idea of it being weekly is it's a regular, maybe set time, um, that you, if you do that over time, you sort of get a baseline or where people are at. Um, if you just, you know, oh, I've got that friend that I can call in case of an emergency. But if you're not <laughs> catching up even in the good times or the regular, you're not going to know or have the mechanism for that when the bad time or the hard time comes or when they need to say something difficult to you but if you're meeting every week it's a great thing even in our community groups if you see somebody week in and week out while they walk in and all of a sudden their countenance is really heavy um, you can see something is is wrong Um, the regular touch points in the normal times give you that mechanism oh i know i'm going to see them on every tuesday or whatever that is so the regular weekly conversations create that foundation it could be you know with a friend or in a community group whatever those are it's the the ongoingness has a real like the quantitative value of it creates the environment for that this was an incidence where as far as we know jesus and the samaritan woman had never met before Um, but for us to be able to invite someone to speak into your life you could meet with somebody and have a set of questions that you go through for a traditional sort of accountability partner Um, but at least in the common rule, and I think there's some wisdom in this, just one hour of conversation with a friend every week. Put it in your calendar, make it happen. Just the regular ongoingness, the regular meetings, meet up with somebody for that sort of conversation. And you suggest the face-to-face kind of scenario. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost not necessarily exclusively. I mean, if you had to, you could talk via Skype or something like that, but um, there's... Yeah, if you're geographically separated. Best case scenario, this is not like a text mm -hmm. check-in. This is uh, embodied interaction, you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, most of your communication is nonverbal. You wouldn't even see that someone is downcast if you're not in the same space with them. One of the things that when when we're... being intentional. We don't do this. We haven't done it with the regularity that we should, but my wife and I, when we're kind of clicking on all cylinders, we are having one meeting at the end of every month, looking ahead at the next month. And a lot of things happen in that meeting, but it's kind of like, like our our planning meeting. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we'll do it whether the kids are in school or whatever. And uh, so brunch or whatever. 
And one of the goals is just to look at the calendar. What's, what do we have going on? Another goal is to think about what are we working on with the kids because we can't work on everything. So if we've got one mm-hmm. theme we're dealing with with each child, let's say, so we're on the same page. But another is who 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 might need us? Who do we need? Um, and thinking about you know where do we create the space for those kinds of things? It, it's just really helpful for intentionality's sake because everything gets away from us when we don't do that. You know, the schedule takes over if we're not um, intentional. And one more group of people I'd say is like the people you live with can oftentimes speak into those sources of pain. And I think it's easy to overlook those people. Um, But I think the Lord has put us in households for reasons, and that's not by chance. And so cultivating those relationships so they're places to hear and receive love. Yeah, roommates, housemates, family members are the ones that often see the worst of us. Mm -hmm. What does it take, I don't even know how I want to ask this question, but what does it take to stay in a conversation when somebody does push a little bit? I'm using my hands to describe. I realize nobody at home can can see that, but if somebody is pushing on that, that wound or that hard thing that's in your life, and, and you're assuming uh, with, with good intentions, how do, you, how do you stay rather than just, whoa, I'm out of here? I think for me, it's knowing they're not going to leave um, and having this atmosphere of love and commitment and that when you push and when I might let you see the wound more deeply and it might be uglier than you realize, it might be a lot more work to heal than you realize, knowing that that person who's speaking isn't going to hightail it out of there. So that's been the key for me. Yeah, And having a, a heart that's open and willing to receive that teachability is even a sense of self that doesn't what we all want to hear is you're awesome Mm -hmm. but sometimes we need to hear you are awesome but not perfect or just an understanding that i'm not perfect you know and sort of not being surprised when someone has something that is an area you need to grow in and maybe also the perspective or expectations associated around like a meaningful friendship that that those kinds of things happen. In other words, if it never if that never happens, or if it very infrequently happens that somebody says thing, something that's hard to me, when they do say it, it's going to feel like this big thing mm-hmm. that feels like a crisis. Um, versus, if that's part of my framework for friendship or connection or community, that those those things happen. That's part of doing life together, and that's part of what families do. That's part of what bigger families, extended families do is um, deal with some of the harder things uh, in life together, then maybe it makes that a little bit more digestible when it does come. Well, let's take one more quick break here, and then we'll come back and, uh, and close things out. We're back in marginalia in the frigid lower level of the 4400 Floral Avenue building. Uh, for those of you who are listening, who are in and around Norwood, Cincinnati, and in some fashion or another connected to New City, uh, our little community here, um, 
we just want to talk a little bit about things upcoming uh, here in the new year and in January and February in particular. Guys, what should people be on the lookout for? Ways to get involved, ways to get connected, ways to serve. Do you want to talk about the game night? Yeah, New City Guys, we have a game night uh, coming up in mid-February. It's a Friday night. Is it the 21st? 21st. Um, it's a chance for guys to gather here at the building, um, bring a snack and some drinks to share. We'll have our resident game masters. We'll have games. You don't have to bring a game or know how to play games or even be a gamer. I mean, games, the excuse to get together, but really it's a chance for, for us um, just to meet meet up and, and spend some time together. So whether you're into gaming or not, New City Guys game night. I tend to just walk around at those things. Work the crowd. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing at service days. I just kind of walk around <laughs> in the edges. Or the flying do marathon, grab a, grab a donut, cheer people on. Once just we as well. helped someone move and there was a woman that walked around with the broom, like the whole house, that never used the broom, just talked to everyone. So, yeah. Kindred spirit. It's, it's, yep. I, I totally get where she's coming yeah. from. Um, for all the moms at New City, no matter how old your kids are, we have Missional Motherhood coming up on February 8th. And a key date to keep in mind for that is that the child care deadline closes on January 31st at noon. So if you want child care for your kids, make sure you register by then. Well, I was just going to talk about uh, community groups oh, I'll be yeah, launching, yeah. relaunching yeah. Uh, for the next semester in the month of February. And uh, if you were in a group, uh, last semester, then you should be receiving some kind of communication from from your group leaders about the plan uh, for things starting back up. But also, if you're interested in a group, uh, Brian, what, what should people do if they're interested in getting connected to a group? Well, you can go to the Church Center app and see which groups are open and receiving new members. There's four new groups starting up here in February, so there should be um, a group for you, group for everybody. All right. Well, we'll see you guys. I won't see you for a few weeks, so you yeah. guys have fun without me, and uh, maybe I'll send in some questions as a uh, just as a listener over the next couple weeks sounds good all right so long see ya thanks for joining us for this episode of marginalia for show notes or for more information about new city presbyterian church please visit our website at newcitycincy.org that's newcitycincy.org thanks for listening